This is the Pathways to Greatness podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. Many of you that follow me on social media have probably seen me say something about highlight coaching and consulting. So what is that? So what we do at Highlight is we focus on teaching teens and young adults, and that's 18 to 35, valuable life skills that we wish we would have known. You know, I often ask the question, you've heard me ask it on some of these episodes of, if you could go back in time to high school and give yourself three pieces of advice, what would it be? It was actually an episode that I had not that long ago. Well, these pieces of advice is what motivated and inspired Jessica to create the ETA program to be able to pour back into teens and young adults because if we can equip them now in things that will help them make better decisions not only through their high school years their college years but these are things that are going to stay with them forever so if you're a parent listening to this and you have a teen or young adult or if you happen to be a teen or young adult and you're listening to this as well is the investment that you make today will pay massive dividends in the future. So these courses aren't free. Um, These programs aren't free, but they're very, very worth it, if you ask me, because it's something that I know that I've just had to figure out. And so if I can help shorten the learning curve from 35 to 40 years down to just a few years, how can you put a value on that? Anyways, check it out. There's a link in the bio, not the bio, in the show notes um, for highlightcoaching.com. I encourage you to go there, check it out, reach out with questions, and let's have a conversation. Thanks. Here's the episode. On this week's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with Corey Sullivan and he is a proud son of the hardest working waitress. <clears throat> and when Corey talks about his mother, Donna Sullivan, and the impact that she made in not only his lives, but it sounds like thousands upon thousands of lives in her 20 plus years as a waitress <clears throat> in California, it was a struggle for me not to get emotional. And you'll probably hear a little bit of that in my voice. And from that, It was because of just her pure joy of wanting to help other people and utilizing where she was at that moment to to spread positivity and be the difference in somebody's life. So you don't have to be a mega social influencer. You don't have to be a billionaire, a sports star, a former military personnel. You can just be a waitress. You can just be you and spread joy and spread a lot of love. And so in this episode, he talks about, again, the impact that his mother made and also just a lot of the wisdom that he's developed over his almost, I think it's around 15 years of being a coach in the collegiate ranks. And so um, I know that you're going <clears> to <throat> enjoy this one as much as I did and gain a lot of the wisdom and benefit that I did as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, Corey Sullivan. All right, and here we go. Well, Corey, it's so nice to meet you face-to-face. I know we've exchanged a lot of uh, Instagram 
uh, messages back and forth. So this is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm excited to be on here. Um, you had one of my mentors on here, uh, Coach Lou, and he spoke highly of you. I mean, you talked back and forth. I've listened to a bunch of your uh, podcasts, and I'm excited to be on. Yeah. Well, everybody, this is Corey Sullivan. He is a strength coach. And this is what triggered me to invite you to come on, is that you're a proud son of the hardest working waitress. Mm, absolutely. And, and I... It, I love it because I feel like that that's going to encapsulate who you are. And so what I would like to do before I get into the fun stuff that I normally do, I want you to break that down for me because I'm sure the audience is interested as well. Like, what yeah, does that mean? Um, I mean, I am the son of Donna Sullivan. I mean, my mother, um, who just passed away a year ago, hmm. uh, Donna Sullivan was by far not just the hardest working waitress but she treated every single day like it was her super bowl and it's uh, to be a waitress a lot of people can look at that as a mundane job or a normal everyday job and i mean she literally attacked every single day and she tried to make her customers happy and she tried to i mean there, there is an article and you can pull it up it's on the uh, chico observer uh, she moved from san jose california up to chico california she worked at the hickory pit for Gosh, dang, 22, 23 years. They actually, here's a fun story. They gave her the uh, Waitress of the Year Award three times. And at the third time, they said, look, we can't give it to you anymore. We got to open it up for other people. <laughs> they actually limited her. Because I promise you, she would have gave Tom Brady a run for his money. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, she was unbelievable what she did. But the uh, report in Chico, they said, look, the food here is good. It was a food critic that sat down for the food at a restaurant and said, the food here is good. But let me tell you about Donna Sullivan. She makes you feel like a million bucks. She calls you princess, honey bun, pumpkin pie. She's always going to make sure that you're um, that she knows what your order is the next time you come in. She's going to make you feel like family. And one of my favorite stories of my mom ever, um, she had her appendix taken out, which I know a lot of people, it's a very, uh, I mean, that is a, a very invasive procedure. It's very painful. And she finished her shift at work. Of course she did because she's a warrior. And she always has Monday and Tuesday off. Well, she was getting a little anxious on Wednesday because she has to go to work. And they said, well, you can't. You have to sit here and you got to recover. Like, you cannot go to work. They actually called and made sure that her boss know, like, you cannot go into work. Well, she went into work on Wednesday because there's an old man that came. And his name was John. And she really felt like she was John's only friend in this world. So she wanted to make sure she was there for John two days post-surgery just to make sure she was working on it didn't even tell him hey I, I just came from major surgery just wanted to be there for him and I mean my mom when I say saint I mean she's she literally worked harder than anyone ever has or ever will she was a waitress and she treated that thing like the most important job in America and it, she focused on every single customer like they were her own children I mean she's unbelievable and this world truly lost someone that i mean when you lose like a michael jackson or a prince they play their music for months and months and months you never get to hear the stories of the donna sullivan's the hardest working waitress in the world so i truly believe it's my job almost because her story and the way that she walked through life is something that we can all aspire to be and and until i take the very last breath on this earth i will be oh I, every year my players know about donna sullivan i mean she is unbelievable yeah, Corey, thank you. I'm fighting not getting emotional about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. it's just a beautiful story because <clears throat> what I want people to hear 
it was all her attitude. It wasn't where she was at. It was her attitude that she brought it. And what you said is that she treated every day like it was her Super Bowl. And how many times those of us who aren't in the service industry, that is a terribly thankless and difficult job. It's exhausting that we don't treat every day like it's a Super Bowl and we don't treat people with respect and care and honor. And if the world had more Donna's in it or was more aware of the Donna Sullivan's that are in it, just think about how wonderful this place would be. Oh my God, just not only how wonderful it would be, how well ran this thing would be. Dear God, she worked her tail off now. I mean, she was unbelievable. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. And she probably never complained either. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, she did when she came home now. <laughs> but she came home, so it would be like 11 o'clock at night. And Now, I'm, I'm, I'm one of five children, but there's such an age gap between the two oldest. There's one that's 14, there's one that's 20, and then there's myself, and then there's two and a half years between the other two. So really, I was the oldest kid, but I was the only man in the house. So my mom would come home, and if she had, a, she had one bad manager, her name was Judy. Oh my God. I heard all the bad things about Judy, but when she went in, Hey, it is what it is. That's the manager or Hey, that may be my head coach one day. She may not believe in the vision, but she's going to work within that vision and the constructs and sometimes uh, do stuff that she doesn't want to do, but still focus on her main job and why she got into is make people's lives better because she was in it, even though she didn't like Judy and how she managed the restaurant. So she'd come home and complain to me. I was her outlet, but when she was at work, you would have never known. Another important lesson for all of us is that a lot of times we'll complain and then go, I'm going to take my ball and go home and change. But she stayed there, what do you say, like 22, 23 years? Yeah, she out she outlasted about everyone over there. I, I mean, was going to uh, say, Judy's came and went and she oh, was still the one that, that was there. There's no doubt. I mean, she was unbelievable. And here's another funny story. Again, I could talk about my mom forever. This whole podcast could be, hey, let's talk about Donna Sullivan here in the memory of her. Um, on Mondays and Tuesdays, they gave out free pie at the restaurant just to entice customers because Mondays and Tuesdays, they were so dead. My mom would make sure Mondays and Tuesdays, Monday, we always had a home-cooked meal. Tuesday, whatever we ate Tuesday, we're going to eat Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the freezer. So we better like it. But we always, she always made sure Monday, which was the first day of school for us, we're all set. We're all ready. If we had a project or if we needed something done, she'd give her a wiggle room on Tuesday. And then Wednesday to Sunday, she was working. So we all kind of knew how it was. So Mondays and Tuesdays, because the restaurant was dead, people would wait. They'd say, oh, no, I'll wait for Donna. They'd wait next to 30 minutes at the Hickory Pit just for Donna Sullivan now. And that's a true story. And this is awesome. I knew yeah. it. I knew this was a reason that we had to, to get connected. So thank you for sharing about that. And I just want other people to take just, I guess, lead from you in the sense that put thanks out there for the people that mean the most. And when I read that at the top of your Instagram handles, I knew where, where your dedication lie, where your respect was. And you just, we don't see that enough. So pay homage to the people that have helped you get where you're at and create the person that you are. Cause she, you know, she definitely, you probably caught a lot more than what she taught you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, here's the fun part. Would you rather? Absolutely. So I know you've, you've since you've heard a couple of episodes, you know we're, what we're going to talk about. So would you rather freeze time or go back in time? I'll let you know. Me and uh, my fiance, we were in the car yesterday 
And I heard it for the third time now. And I'm like, gosh, dang, what's the answer now? So I think I, I settled it down because I think everyone would like to go back in time. And you're like, well, I'd rectify what I did wrong. Absolutely not. I am who I am because of the mistakes that I made. So I, I wouldn't do that. But then you're like, well, maybe I'd go back in time and see Super Bowl one or go back in time and see Joe Montana in his prime. But I honestly think I would freeze time. And I think it's um, what's the X-Men movie? Days of Future Past. Yep. When 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 the speedsters running around and everything's paused, I'll tell you what. I go undefeated in football. They'd be like, God, how, how do they keep making all those plays and all those catches? How are the throws always perfect? Coach Sullivan's on a fifty and zero streak right now. So I think I'd say freeze time. But in all honesty, I, I'd shoot, man. It, that's a hard question. But I guess freeze time if I had the option. Yeah, it is a tough question, and that's why I like to ask it. Um, and if you, and that's one of those that, depending on the day, the answer probably changes. Absolutely. Because, hey, if I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix, I'm going to go back in time and listen to that man live. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, my God. Just be way before his time. But then you got to think, like, sometimes you got to – if I'm going back in time and I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix, like, you don't have the people that are there who've never heard that for the first time, right? Because that's a whole different perspective, too. So, I don't know. I, I, I think freezing time, I'm pretty solidified in that. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Would you rather watch TV or listen to music? That's tough. I would say watch TV. Um, I've worked out a whole lot, especially with Coach Lou, uh, with no music and just heard the birds chirping as my music and have my own internal thoughts. So I'll say uh, watch TV because you have live sports. I turn the commentary down half the time anyway. I'm a huge professional wrestling fan and watching that violent dance. So I can go ahead and just turn it down and watch that. So just watching live sports and professional wrestling, I'm in on that. No, that's awesome. Well, I have to. I may have to ask a, a, a fifth question for you now that I know that you're a wrestling fan. But okay, so the next one is I always like to throw in a wild card. <clears throat> so, would you rather fight samurais or lift weights? Oh, I'd rather lift weights. Why am I fighting a samurai? Well, I saw your reel where you were fighting a samurai. You... <laughs> So I had to ask that one. I thought that was interesting. No, uh, that uh, that the only reason that even came up, mm -hmm. I worked at a gym or I went to a gym. It was called Tap Out Fitness. No one ever went there. And it was open during COVID because they offered classes. So they had some weird workaround. So during COVID, I was able to go uh, to the gym over there. There's a lot of people, oddly enough, where there's a guy that taught people how to do their own choreography and how to like basically get beat up in movies. So like that, the movie with uh, Tom Cruise that just came out or not Tom, maybe it was Brad Pitt. The, they're fighting on a train. Yep. He had a bunch of his students in that. Um, he had a bunch of Jillian, my fiance, her boxing coach was in Ozark and he just got his tail kicked. And so they're like, Hey, these guys keep fighting sam samurais in their video. They need like a big beefy Viking do you want to get your tail kicked? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go ahead and do it. You know, cause I talked to everyone and uh, I met those guys. I'm like, no, you're actually kicking our tail today. So I'm like, Hey, I'm in man. Just teach me how to do it. Now, oh, that was fun, man. That looked good. I, I yeah, thought no, that, that was like a side like a career bucks. that you had. They made me look like a million bucks. I messed up. I can't even tell you how many times, but they cut it up, made it look good. And Hey, they, they made me look like a million bucks. It's all them, man. Uh, Sage Brandu is, I think what he goes by and he does a phenomenal job. So I just, Right place, right time. I'm lucky that I talked to people and that opportunity came. So, yep. Okay. So, would you rather have pizza or tacos? God, 
the, the, the real answer is burritos, but I would have to say tacos just because of the variety. But gosh, that's hard, man. I'm from San Jose, California. Uh, so I'd have to lean to the Mexican food right there. What now? What kind of burritos do you like? Um, shoot, the ones that you got to go ahead and order in Spanish when you go over there because you know you're getting the right stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just uh, black beans, chicken, uh, rice, get some salsa that's going to be, uh, I need I'm okay with spice if it's not going to like, uh, blow you off your seat. You know what I mean? Right. Like you ever watch that show hot ones on YouTube? I love it. Love that. Show. I love it. I would never eat the bomb. I'm good, brother. I'm all the way up to the bomb. I'm in. <laughs> you drop the bomb on me. Mm -mm, I'm good. I know that's third from the end and it destroys everybody every time. Yes. And they all know it's coming. And I'm like, these psychopaths agreed to get on the show. Yeah, as long as there's flavor, and they all say that that one tastes terrible, it's just pure heat. I think that's, I don't even know if it's heat at that point. That's something that I think uh, Satan himself concocted and <laughs> brought up here. Dear God. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so with this one, are you, um, would you rather have WCW or WWE? Okay, now if back in the day, the correct question would be WWF right or WWE. correct i was trying to be politically correct <laughs> no you're fine i would say wwf from back in the day but if you tell me right now i'm an aew fan um and i peek over at wwe so me actually as soon as we're off this call my fiance she's bringing home food uh there's a uh, giant event called all in that i'm uh, me and my fiance are gonna watch so it's a pay-per-view and um yeah we're big professional wrestling fans here aew is our go-to though yeah, I figured when you had the, um, you announced your engagement and you had her on your shoulder and yes. she had an NWO t-shirt on. I was like, oh, that's old school right there. Absolutely. Well, the NWO is for life. So I, I'm, I'm locked up with this one. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to go, and I, I'm circling back here a little bit, but uh, when I found out my mom passed, which was, um, I mean, just terrible, right? You, you. Don't expect that call. You don't know how you're going to react. I found out two in the morning um, through means that I didn't want, but um, ended up crying, getting really upset, uh, like anyone would. Slept for about an hour. I woke up at like 7 a.m. I said, babe, I got to go to the gym. Just I got to get my mind off this stuff. I got to get some blood flow. I, I, this doesn't even feel real. And um, I come home. My bags are packed. She has a plane ticket. She already called my sister, who's going to be waiting for me at 6 p.m. when my uh, plane lands. And she goes, hey, uh, your plane leaves at six, uh, whatever you need before then you let me know I'm here for you. And as soon as she said that, I said, look, that's a done deal. That, so that is for life. So I'm, I'm married to that one forever now. I mean, period point blank. So, uh, obviously the joke is NWO for life, but that's because I'm like, look, when you, when you're like that and I didn't even, I had no idea what was in my bag until I got there. Like I was so numb to the whole situation, but, um, no, she is definitely 100% for life. So NWO obviously being a joke on that. So are you going to wear that t-shirt for the ceremony? Look, don't give me ideas now because <laughs> she's not here right now, but if she heard that, you'd hear from the back room, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I've already given her jokes. I'm like, babe, what if I dressed up like Macho Man and you dress up like Miss Elizabeth? Oh, and she goes, oh I'm telling you, right? You'd break the internet with that. <laughs> well, and, and have your groomsmen thing. all pick their favorite wrestler. Yes. Well, then you have someone... Does anyone object? Could you imagine all the things you could do with that? Put someone oh, through a yes. table who objects? I'm telling you, man. She, I, I, I floated them out there. She shoots them down. As long as she's happy, she and she knows that. She yeah. knows I can't say no to her. She knows I'm a wild man, but 
If she says no, I tend to listen to that one. Should you still plant a heel in the audience, though? I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking, right? I love that you're throwing the insider terms in there, too. Absolutely. <laughs> that way she doesn't know that that all of a sudden, you know, if he objects, then all of a sudden you have somebody bust out and come running down the, the aisle. She would put her head down immediately like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> She, you know what? She might get an idea if a man with a handlebar mustache is sitting in the front row, but who, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be obvious. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Corey, thank you. So before we we continue to dive in, tell everybody a little bit about you, what you do, because uh, that's going to bring a lot of relevance to the wisdom that you share and the the information that you share today. Yeah, so I'm the Associate Director for Strength Conditioning over at uh, UNC Charlotte. Um, so basically I work under coach Lou Corella, uh, who I can't even say work. I mean, that guy's like my best friend in this world. He's unbelievable to work for. Um, but I'm a strength coach over there. And it's funny because I started 13 years as a college football coach, uh, coach linebackers, outside linebackers, uh, DNs, defensive tackle, special teams coordinator. And the reason I got into coaching is I wanted to change people's lives. When I was a young kid, Eric Buren, I mean, I was basically a single parent home. My dad came in later in life, but my mom really is the one that raised me. So uh, God bless single mothers, but it's when you don't have a strong male influence, it's it's hard growing up. And I had a man named Eric Buren, my high school football coach, and he really put his foot up my tail end immediately and said, look, you are not going to act a fool. You are not going to go ahead and talk back in class. Like, we're going to get you right. Like, this is important. You're going to treat people right. You're going to love up on people. How you treat people is the most important thing in the world. And he never even talked about winning football games, which we did my senior year and a lot of them. Did you have and a I, reputation before that? Where you I was just high energy. I always wanted to make people laugh. It wasn't um, malice by any means, but it was like I was a high energy, talkative kid. I would always have something to say. I was very witty and, and very quick with something to talk back. And um teachers obviously it's funny because god's a funny guy now i'm going to be married to an english teacher um but you look at these teachers i was really disrupting their class and disrupting their lesson plan just because i wanted to make someone laugh and my high school coach was like absolutely not and there was kind of a big word put out like if there's any problems with any football players in any class you let eric buren know he's going to take care of it and he took care of it now so um, I mean, that guy, he's actually, um, me and Jillian, we've talked very little on the wedding and what's going to happen, but he's actually going to officiate our wedding. I mean, he's, I am who I am really because of Donna Sullivan, Eric Buren, and now my older age, uh, Luke Corella. I mean, those are really the three influences that have made who I am today. Um, so becoming a strength and conditioning coach, how that happened is got let go over at Clark Atlanta went two and eight that happens right and even though you want to change kids lives and you feel like you made kids lives better if you don't win you're gonna let go in this profession just is what it is so i was like okay i still have that core value of changing kids lives and i kind of saw on instagram uh luke corella speaking and talking and he's speaking to my heart and i'm like dang man this this guy's either all about this lifestyle or he's full of it he's either a snake oil salesman or this is the real deal so I just hit him up on Instagram and which is different than 1980s, 1990s. I mean, now you can just DM someone. And if they DM you back, you have instant communication. And me and him uh, linked up 
over at his clinic. He had a clinic with Inky Johnson himself. He had the head strength coach of the Cowboys, the Cardinals. Um, he had these unbelievable speakers lined up, and I, I just sat in the very front. Some of these guys were speaking over my head. I'm not a strength coach. So a lot of the stuff going over my head, they're talking nitty-gritty detail. And I'm just sitting in the front. Like, I just need to meet this man, shake his hand, and just get an opportunity somehow. And I'm a 31-year-old who's coached at University of Oregon. I've been in the National Championship, the Rose Bowls. I've won Pac-10, Pac-12 conference titles. I've coached all conference kids. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just so in awe of this man and what he's speaking, speaking to my heart. I said, look, I barely know you, but I want an opportunity to work for you. And even if it's in a free capacity. And, I, I mean, I'm a full-time special teams coordinator, just got fired. And I'm asking this guy, hey, do you have an opportunity to work for free? And I kind of had to humble myself at 31 years old and go meet him and learn from him and see if this guy's the real deal. And just, he's unbelievable. And being a strength coach, you end up being kind of the psychiatrist on the team. When kids have issues, you don't control the depth chart. So their, their coaches, they put them third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart. They get their feelings hurt. They don't want to talk to their coach. They just broke their heart. They just, and they, they have this whole thing in their head. I'm the best. I, I'm I'm the best quarterback. I'm going to – I have these dreams of leading a team to a national title, and you're telling me I'm third, fourth string? Who are they going to run to? Well, <clears> the <throat> guy that they've been grinding with and, and putting all this time when with the strength coaches. So they're going to go down there immediately and say, hey, I'm comfortable enough to talk to you as a man, and you got to really talk to them. And sometimes you got to give them the God's honest truth. You know, you got to say, hey, like, I love you. I hear you. You just, you're not good enough in this situation, or maybe they are good enough. There's not getting their time right now. And coach sees it differently, you know, but you got to really listen and counsel that kid. So I guess long story short, how do I, what's my job is to get, it's to get kids on paper, bigger, faster, stronger. But in mm -hmm. reality, it's to change those kids mentality. It's to love up on them and to be there for them when they fall. And yeah, you're allowed to be heard about it, but you can't just sit in a hole for a week that does nothing. You're not getting better, you know? Right. So it's to get them out of that hole, out of that rut, and get them back to focus because they, they came to college football for a reason. And it's to probably be a starter, be an all-conference kid, uh, win a national title. You have all these big, ambitious goals. And when someone tells you you're not good enough, you go into a deep, dark place sometimes because it's going against who you thought you were, you know? And I love that <laughs> I'm that person for them, like – if they need anything, they come down there because they're safe with us. They've been with us since January all the way through the summer, and we've been putting them through adverse situations. And they feel comfortable coming down there because we've built in all this time with them, sometimes more time than their coaches. Like, we're with them more than their coaches are half the time. Because being a college coach, and I know from firsthand, you're on the road recruiting. You're trying to get bigger, better players. And you don't really have a lot of time to work with your current roster as much as you'd want. So. So when you were talking, I had a thought uh, around math and what would you say the percentages are that make a great player great, meaning talent, hard work, focus, intelligence, those, those different components, what components do you see that make up a great player? And then what are the percentage breakdowns of each of those? God, that's such a difficult question. I've never had it put to me that way. Um, because it's so, I mean, you have to be talented, right? I mean, that's the truth. But I've seen so many teams that were less talented beat more talented teams. And I think you get those guys. 
I think what makes a great player is they care a lot about the guy to the right and to the left of them. Mm-hmm. And they like you come in with these. I want to say selfish goals and they're not, it's not selfish. Isn't a bad word. People have like, Oh, you're selfish. And they, they put this negative connotation on it. Selfish isn't a bad thing, but you have these selfish goals, these, Oh, I want to have X amount of yards. I want to have X amount of tackles. I want to have X amount of sacks. I want to be an all conference kid. I want to be drafted. That's fine. That's great. But all that takes care of yourself when you realize when the team's successful and the guy to the right and to the left of you are successful. So it's, when you care more about the players around you than you care about your own success, that's when you find your success. And mm-hmm. I know you're asking for like, what's the percentage breakdowns? I mean, it's when you get a guy that's selfless and cares more about the other guys there, you tend to find your own success comes along the way. Right. That's, and that's a great answer. And in what I heard, and hopefully the the audience heard as well is if you're truly putting other people in front of you, everything else comes with it. If you're putting your teammates first, you're going to work hard. You're going to be disciplined. You're going to put in the reps that you need. And that works in life too, with your family. If you put your family first, are you showing up for your family and your friends like you should? Absolutely. And I think that's what I'm starting to learn now. I mean, uh, I'm not a married man yet, but gosh, dang, you might as well call me signed, sealed, delivered. I'm hers, right? I am learning that because to get here, I had to be very selfish and I had to put myself first and put my career first while putting the team first. So I was selfless, putting the team first, all my actions and all my decision making, putting the team first, putting the players first. But it was working long hours. It was living in a video room. It was living in my car and it was making selfish decisions. And I would stay later at the office. And now I have a fiance that's like, hey, don't don't forget about me. Like we got stuff we need to do. Like we have a bond. We have a friendship that needs to be poured into every day. And it's true. Like just because a year ago I took her on this unbelievable fancy surprise vacation, that doesn't mean anything now because her feelings are hurt. Like it's pouring in every single day and it's not just one big blow off and then forget about her for the rest of the year. Like it's every single day coming in and making sure she feels special. So even if I'm tired and I don't feel like it, I just got up at four in the morning and I'm throwing around all this weight, clanging and banging and putting the sweat equity in. And then I got to deal with all these kids that got their feelings hurt. And now emotionally spent, I'm physically spent. I got to come home. Hey, I, I sometimes I got to listen to some music. I could get my mind right. Almost like I'm getting a PR and like, Hey, you got to get in. You got to wake up because you got to love up on this one now because she, she loves you. She poured into you when tough was time, when time's tough. It is what it is. You're tired. doesn't matter. You got to go ahead and pour and make her feel special. So that's such an important thing that you brought up that most people don't think about. And a lot of successful people, you see them, that their family life is kaput. There's nothing, you know, and I think that's very important that you brought that up for your listeners. Yeah, because because Instagram only shows one picture. It shows, Mm -hmm. you know, for the 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 influencers that are out there, it'll show the championship rings, the big cars, the boats, the fancy houses. But like you said, as if you've left a complete disaster in a graveyard for your family, then it's not worth it. It's you've actually wasted all of that. And the more I learn, like you, I'm learning as I get older, where my priorities should be. And if you put them in the right order, everything works. And when you have them flipped and for decades, I had work first. 
And, you know, where I accomplished, quote unquote, I know people can't see this, but I'm doing air quotes. I accomplished a lot, but I just left a mess behind me because of just my selfish desire to be focused. And now I see that I can be successful at home. I can be successful at work. And then for me, God's my number one. And if I, if I keep that in my focus, then it's my duty and my obligation to treat everybody with respect and care and love and and unselfish motivation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So what is your definition of greatness? I know you knew this was coming. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <clears throat> I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if there's like a, a, a definition word for word out there. I just look at it as a guy that won't quit. It's a guy that's relentless. And, and I've heard it before. Someone actually said it on your show where it's a guy that's going to get knocked down 10 times, stand up 11. Like I'm college football is a hard profession. And when you make it, there's, there's, there's financial compensation for you to live a pretty good life out there, but it's getting up to making it so hard and the dedication level. And there's times where I'm making $600 a month and I'm like, Hey coach, can I just live in the video room on this couch? Like I'm getting five hours of sleep anyway, you know, and you have to sacrifice and you have to go through it. And someone's going to say, you're not good enough. And someone's going to say, you need to make more money. And someone's going to say, Hey, you're 28 years old. You have a master's degree and you have a um, bachelor's degree that you're not even using. You're getting paid how much a month. And they look at you like you're crazy, but that's because it's not their vision. They're looking at, they're looking at you. Mm. It's mm. I'm, I'm focused on my vision. That's my vision. I know what I'm chasing. And that's why I'm so relentless and so passionate towards it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that you don't need to understand it. I understand it fully. I got it, man. So it's, it, the definition of greatness is just being resilient and not quitting. That's all it is. Yeah. And I really like what you said there is that it resonates with me is that you can't judge other people's path. You can't go through that <clears throat> because it's so important that the way I describe it is pathways to greatness. Everybody has a different definition and it's not a linear path. And if we judge, like it sounds like other people are like, you're only doing how much? Yeah, but I'm doing something that fulfills me, that points me in the direction that I wanted to do to, to help change the world. And that's helping young people. And like the money isn't your vision and your goal. If it was, you would have left the profession long ago, the first time Absolutely. you you're yeah. going, how much am I making per month? I'm going yeah. to Publix, you know, I'm going to go stock shelves and make double, but you wouldn't be fulfilled. It would just be that, that mundane life. And that's the message I want people to hear that you just said is to, to know what your vision is and then find it. So how did you create your vision for yourself? So I, I guess the vision I've always been chasing is, there's two sides to it. It's I, I wanted to do what Eric Buren did to me, which is he changed my life. I'm a better human being because Eric Buren was there to hold me accountable and to push me farther than I ever thought I could go. He held me to such a high standard that I didn't even believe existed at that time at the age of 14 when I first encountered him. And so I want to do that for people. I want people's lives to be better because I was in their life. And sometimes that's with tough love. I, I believe that um, Darius Buck, he's our DC. He always said tough love and love is such a, you hear the word love, you think coddling, you think soft and love is such a tough word. 
and it's it's I'm gonna love you. I, I I'm here for you no matter what. If you fall, I'm gonna catch you. But here's the standard. If we're not at the standard, we're gonna keep working, man. You know. And I guess that second side of the coin is I want to compete and win at the highest level. Like I can coach Pop Warner football and still be there for kids, right? Um, but I want to win at the highest level possible and and win titles with like-minded, like-hearted individuals. And to do that, the division one level, I, to me, there's just nothing like it. You get the competitive aspect of it. You get these kids that have been told they're so good. They're so great. And then they fall from grace and they're fifth on the depth chart and they're buried and they're, their whole world has just been changed. Oh my God. I was told I was so good. I've always started. I'm not even my whole, I, I've only seen myself as a football player. Well, then you got to sit down with them. You're like, what are you going to do in life when football's taken away? And some of these kids have never had that question. They think, oh, I'm going to make the NFL. I'm going to be a 20 year vet. There's not a lot of Jerome Bettis's out there. Jerome Bettis got to go up there and say, after the Super Bowl, it's my last game. I'm done. A lot of these guys, they get this game taken away from them via injury or being told they're not good enough. So what are you going to do if you don't make it? What, what, what's then? And these kids only see themselves as one thing. I'm just a football player. I'm just an athlete. Mm-hmm. And you kind of blow their mind. And now they're starting to think and, and look around. And I want to be that guy to help them. And I'm not there to give them answers, but I'm there to be like, look, like there's so many things out there and you have so many great qualities to give this world. Like, where do you want to go with this? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I want to be for that athlete. Yeah, when they come in, what what does that conversation sound like? I know that it's a, that challenge of, well, what else are you going to do? How do you help counsel someone whose identity is so wrapped up into one thing, see that there's more to who they are? That's hard. And, and it's funny <clears> because <throat> it's one of the reasons why me and Coach Lou kind of got connected when I was at Clark Atlanta I was special teams coordinator and the um, defensive line coach so I met with basically the whole team Mm -hmm. anyone that was going to be on special teams I met with all of them and it took about three weeks and I'd try to cut it down to 15 minute interviews and it's never 15 minute interviews that I'd like I'm going to go from this time to this time and I have kids that have like coach you missed my time like I'm sorry I've been working with everybody else it's kind of pushed everybody back but you sit down with them and first you got to get to know them and and you need it to be they need to be comfortable to come to you and actually be who they are around you. Because especially as, as men, a lot of people come from single parent homes that happen to be single mother homes. I'm from that. So you build this identity of being what a man is by watching these cartoons of these giant biceps and these like, I'm going to run into a burning building and I'm scared of nothing. And we all got fears. The hero and the coward both got fears, my man. Like, it's it's what it's it's giving them the it's okay to be human it's okay to have fears it's okay to have feelings and you got to really build that relationship before you even get to that question because when you get to that question you got to give them it's okay to be yourself and to give me real answers it's just me and you this isn't going outside this walls i'm not going to run to the head coach and and tell them like this is what you want to do or Hey, you're only doing football because your dad was a football player. And that's the only, you don't even like football. Like sometimes you get those conversations where they're like, I'm just doing this to make my dad proud. I'm not even, I don't even love it. Like I'm just talented, you know? So what do you want to do when football's over? I've never thought of that question. I don't know. Mm. Well, what, what's your life? What, what do you want your life to be? Do you want to have a wife and two kids? Do you like want to make the most money possible? Do you want to change people's lives? Like you start just kind of, pointing questions out 
and you want to be as general as possible so they can just start coming in with it. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, okay, what do you think of that? And just getting them to really think on it. And sometimes those conversations, that's conversation A, and I don't really get an answer to him until I have my ninth conversation with him during the season when he keeps coming in and he keeps coming in. He's like, coach, I thought of this or coach, I thought of that. Or, hey, I was thinking of this. Do you have a book to, to read on this subject? And it's it's you got to truly build a relationship with them before you even get to the question, I guess, is where I'm trying to get to with this. Yeah. And in all the parents that just heard him, Corey, talk about that. He just held a parenting class because <clears throat> we don't do that with our kids. We don't get to know our kids. We just, they're our children. So therefore we think we know who they are. But like you said, just a second ago, their vision is not our vision. And as parents, I know you see this because you just shared the example is that we project our vision onto other people constantly. And like, well, this is the way I thought your life would end up. Well, that's not, I'm not you. I'm not my children. And that's why I want to point that out. So the audience that are parents or soon to be parents or thinking about being a parent, just earmark and save this podcast because you know, Corey is sharing really valuable things that we have to get to know our kids. And if you're a leader in the corporate world, do what he's sharing, because this will make a huge difference in the people that you serve on your team. And one of my favorite things, uh, Philip Clemens was his name. I'll give him a shout out. He, When we were at Clark Atlanta, Tim Bowens was our head coach, and he would come up all the time because he was great friends with Coach Bowens, and he'd come speak to us. And one thing he said, and I've always held it true, he goes, hey, if you ever quote me, make sure you have the date and time because I'm allowed to change as a person. Just like these players, like some of these players, they loved football in high school. And then they get to the grind of college, and they're like, gosh, I don't even know if I love it anymore. Or, you know what, I like it. But this isn't I don't want to be an NFL guy like I'm just, you know, and, and their likes and their interest is they can change if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you'll have these kids that they come in and they love it at first. And then they're like, gosh, man, like college football is a grind now. It is all day. It's, it's 24 hours. It's watching film. It's eating right. It's not uh, making a decision that's going to hurt your team on a Saturday night. Like you're on, it's 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 draining if you're not truly invested and absolutely love it 100 percent. if you 90 percent love football gosh college football is tough man it's hard now so these kids sometimes you get kids that realize like hey i'm on a division one roster i'm a scout team guy and i play on teams and that's who i am i'm not going to be an nfl guy i'm not even going to go to pro day um i have different wants in, in in this life and those change those conversations change from when he was a freshman when he first came in and said Hey, I came from the University uh, of Hawaii. I transferred to Oregon. I love football. It's the best thing ever. And then he's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a kickoff guy. I'm a kickoff specialist. That's what I'm great at. I'm here to win at a high level. But football, I, I don't love it anymore. You know, I mean, I love my teammates, but I want to do other things. Yeah, and that's another valuable lesson. I mean, you're just dropping them left and right is that that we have the right to change. And maturity and wisdom comes from change. And one of the things that we do, I coach teens and young adults with success life skills and, and giving them the things that you're talking about. And we, we do a values exercise. And I say, look, you're going to do a values exercise today. In seven weeks, more than likely, your values probably will change because you're going to think differently about yourself than you have in the past. And then in seven years, 
if you continue to grow and want to learn, they're going to change again. I said, I'm 50. Mine have evolved multiple times. And I'm sure that the ones that I have now will change again. The, the meaning will be the same, but the words might be a little different. And that's what is important that people need to hear what you said is change is inevitable and it's necessary. Absolutely. I mean, shoot, I thought I had, I thought I was going to be the next head coach at a university and I'm chasing this dream where I'm just coaching defensive football front seven. Now I'm a special teams coordinator. I did that for 13 years. Now I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And I'm like, I would never change this for the world but I wouldn't change my path for the world either. Mm -hmm. Like I've had two opportunities. I've been in strength conditioning for less than a year now. I've had two opportunities to interview for a head coaching position to be their head strength conditioning coach because my friends that I grew up that were defense coordinators are now head coaches. I have friends that were in the D2 level and now at the FCS level or at the FCS to the division one level. I'm like, Hey, do you want to interview for a head coaching job? They don't know anything that I do in the weight room. They don't know the nitty gritty. They don't know my programming. But they know I'm going to hold kids accountable. They know I love up on kids and I'm going to change kids' lives and kids' lives are going to be better because I was in it. That's how they see me. So they give me opportunity. But that's all because of 13 years of, of what I thought was going to be it. And now that's all, oddly enough, paying dividends for what my love is. Like I love strength and conditioning. I've personally changed and grown as a man just through the iron paradise. Like I, I wouldn't have changed it for a world. But if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'm like, Sounds like that guy quit on his dreams. That guy's a loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just so drastically different and how I view life now. How did you manage that change going from being on the field to now being behind the scenes? Well, it's because it's funny. How did I manage that? I guess it wasn't. I had such a freak out and almost an existential crisis for months. Like, should I do this? I don't know. Should I do this? I don't know. Should And then I do it. And I'm like. I'm in the building every day, just like I would have been. I don't watch as much film as I would have. I still watch all the game film because I, I I love football. I love the puzzle piece of, of a defense fitting in A, B, C, D gap and seeing uh, like last night we're watching uh, South Carolina State, who's our first opponent. And I'm just seeing where they're getting gutted. I'm like, they're not fitting it up right. So I still know football, still love football. But it's like, I don't love the four hours watching the same play in a dark room over and over and over and having one coach with one thought, another coach with another thought, one coach with one thought, just to realize in four hours, our kids aren't going to understand this defense that we were really excited about because it's way too complex. Like I'm good on those conversations, you know, like <laughs> I still get what I love. You boil it down. I'm still serving my athletes. I'm still listening and building relationships with my athletes and I'm still chasing relationships with my athletes. So I'm, Everything I love, I'm still doing. So me freaking out for months and months, I don't I don't even know why I did it. It was just a waste of time, to be honest. Yeah. And I wrote down three words that you said is serving, listening, and helping. Mm. And those are critical words, again, that goes back to your success. The other thing, it just I remember that you said that I wanted to remind people of is you talked about your dreams and you had two parts of it. And you're not having to sacrifice one for the other that you've married the two. So that's the other thing is when people have a vision of just helping people, doesn't mean that you have to go and just be a pop Warner coach. And, but that could be part of your fulfillment. If you have this corporate job that you're successful in and you're good at, you can still find opportunities to give back and to fill that fulfillment and helping others. You've been fortunate enough to be able to marry the two together. 
And what you also said earlier that I want to remind people of is you made sacrifices to do that. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, just sleeping in your car, how many people are willing to do that to keep the their dream together? Absolutely. And it's funny. And it's, I don't know why I'm not even a big fan of this man's music, but there's one song it's by meatloaf called I'll do anything for love. The yes. song makes no sense. I would do anything for love, <laughs> but I won't do that. Right. So you're like, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. So I'll, I'll have people, they see me, they just see uh, rings. They see ESPN. They see pictures of me with my athletes, division one. They see all, they just see pictures on Instagram and I get people to DM me and they're like, coach, I've been coaching high school for 15 years and I really want to get into college football. Like, how do I do it? And I tell them like, you got to put your ego aside. You have to be willing to work for free or for little to nothing and to grind and work harder than you ever had in your life just to impress someone to get an opportunity to make a salary that's just below poverty. And then at some point, if you're lucky, you, you will, you'll make it. Mm -hmm. No, nah, I'm good. I, I love what I'm doing right now, man. I appreciate you. That's the hard truth. Like I had to be a student assistant or making nothing. I had to go be a GA making $600 a month. I had to go be a QC making a thousand dollars a month. I was making a thousand dollars a month. I thought I was the richest man in Mobile, Alabama when that happened, but gosh, dang, now you look back on it. And I'm like, dang, man, I, I wouldn't give it up for the world, you know, but that was a long grind to get to where I, I, I am now, you know, and now I have the best job in America. I've, I've tricked the world where they you're someone is paying me actively a livable <laughs> salary. Like I just spent $50 on a wrestling pay-per-view. Do you know how dumb and irresponsible <laughs> that is? Donna Sullivan is rolling in her grave where you smack the back of my head that I spent $50. But I'm able to do so because I grinded for so freaking long. But I, 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 I wouldn't change it for the world. So I've tricked the world to to give me a livable salary to do what I love, and that's mm -hmm. all I ever want my athletes to get to. Like, how can you get someone to financially compensate you enough money to live the lifestyle you want and to fulfill your heart? That's all you got to do, man. That's life. That's that's the life hack, man. Yeah, and it starts with having a vision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a vision and a plan. And as a strength coach, you don't just randomly go, okay, well, today we're going to do this and hope that this makes you a better player. I yeah. mean, how much goes involved in creating a plan for players? And here, here's my favorite thing. Oh, God, I, I love that you asked this question. Coach Lou, me and him, we do the workout. Every time our players are in a build phase, that uh, winter or the summer, when they are in a build phase, we do every single workout, including the runs the players do, so we can feel the pain the players are feeling, so we know how to coach it, A, and B, to make sure it's actually safe for the players. Like, we had one where we were going to do a, a – it was a – our Friday lifts are insane here. Uh, we did one where it was a team-building type of lift. It was a family lift. We put you with four random athletes, an offensive lineman, uh, a linebacker, a quarterback, and a punter. So we put you with random people. So me and Coach Lou, we're only two people. So us two are going to do the whole workout as if we were four people, just because I think we're mentally tougher than a lot of these 18-year-old kids. And it's not a knock on them. They're still developing mental toughness. That's, that's sure. thing yep. about, right? They're more talented than I'll ever be, absolutely. But gosh dang it. I, I would say they're, uh, they're stronger than me, but most of them aren't. And that's not their fault. It's because I'm on the Coach Lou program. But um, we were doing this workout where we wrote down, mm -hmm. hey, what would be great if as part of the workout you had a trap bar? 
with 174 on it and you walked around the top of the concourse around the stadium. Yeah, that sounds great. And I'll hold it as long as I can and then I'll drop it and the next teammate will go and he'll keep going. So it shows like you got to go ahead and you, you appreciate the work your teammates do. That's the whole purpose of this exercise. And it's hard as all get out and you're going to develop a lot of grip strength while doing so. So we're doing it. Our trap bars we have at UNC Charlotte are longer than we thought. So on paper, it sounded great, but we couldn't fit through the press box. It was too tight, so we had to go around the press box. Then there's a start where there's three stairs going down. Well, now athletes have got to go down three stairs. That's not safe. Then there's this really small corridor where you walk sideways. Well, me and Coach Lou, we said, we wrote it. We're going to do it. We'll change it afterwards. So we did the workout, and there's a bunch of other stuff on top of it. But we did that workout and we're like, oh, my gosh, like, that's not safe. Let's go and change that thing immediately. Right. So how <laughs> like, what were we thinking? Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like sometimes you, you listen to war music and and while like uh, you have the whole uh, background soundtrack from Gladiator playing, you know, you get the war drums playing and you're sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Four guys. Yeah. Heck yeah. Trap bar. Yeah. Let's walk around. <laughs> yeah. That, that's going to that's gonna be great. And then you do it and you're like, gosh, that's not safe. So we ended up going to the press box and back which it was similar in distance, a little less, but that's how we know it's safe. So like we put it down on paper, obviously we've, we got degrees in it. We've been certified. We know what a good plan looks like, but we also physically do the workout because you can put anything on paper. Heck you can come up with a workout that you know is safe for, for your boy that plays high school football right now. I guarantee it. You can, but if you don't do it, you don't feel their pain. How do you know it's the right program? Like if I'm just did heavy squats on Monday, and I wrote down eight sprints that are um, half gassers. Well, gosh, dang, at the end of the eight, I'm like, coach, at six, I, I was good at six. My legs are heavy today. So we cut it down to six because we feel the response our body's giving us, let alone what an 18-year-old's feeling, you know? And that's, again, valuable lesson as a parent, as a leader in business is, A, don't forget what it felt like. So a lot of times we get elevated into these positions as parents or, or leaders, and we forget what it was like to have to follow. So good leaders know how to follow. The other thing that you shared that's really valuable is do the work. So if you're, if you're well, again, as a, like you said, as a parent or as a boss, if you're asking people to do things, have you even done it? Like, do you even know if it's going to work? Because if you have them do it, and like you use the term safety, and they get hurt in the process, you've actually done more harm than good, and you've set yourself back than if you would have just taken the time to do it. Even though you had the right intent behind it. You set a kid back two weeks, even though you said my intent is to make them stronger and make them a better teammate. But that doesn't matter if you put them in a, in a, in a situation that's not safe. Right. And I just keep going back to parenting advice, Corey, and that how, how valuable this is. And it's just resonating with me is that how many times as parents do we, we have good intentions and we push, push, push. And I just want them to learn the value of hard work when we don't listen to them or hear that they're struggling, they're aggravated, they're starting to resent us and all these other things like, well, it's making them better, but it's, it's not a safe environment for the relationship that could stay with you for decades. Absolutely. And we're talking just being a parent being, you're talking from the perspective of being a dad, but you also have a partner you get to lean on, right? That you get to bounce ideas off. And sometimes they're like, you're out of your mind. Like we got to look at this whole thing different. Like 
I'm so incredibly lucky to be a part of the staff I'm on. I mean, we got Corey Bell, we got Nick Roger, we got Luke Corella, we got myself, and we got four interns that will freaking work as hard as possible just cleaning a floor to make sure that this thing is spotless because they love what we do. I mean, we will come together on Fridays and say, hey, what can we do to really bring this team together? Because we really do believe adversity and overcoming adversity together as a unit brings guys together. Especially my favorite, we'll, we'll see guys that are fighting on Monday because you get sometimes brothers fight, right? We'll see them fighting on a Monday. We're like, those two are going to be on a team because they're either going to sink or swim together. And us four get together. And we come up with these ideas with all this crazy war music. And me and me and Coach Lou, gosh dang, man, just because we love to put ourselves through adverse situations, sometimes we'll go overboard and be like, we should do this. And Corey Bell or Nick Jay looks at us like, you guys are absolute psychopaths. <laughs> we got to scale it back then, you yeah. know? And sometimes we'll, we'll stand on the table, look, okay, let's all do it together. We do it together. Yep, you're right. We're psychopaths. Let's change it. Or sometimes <laughs> we only get to the, hey, you know what? How, how would you do it? And then we get a great idea from him. And we're like, absolutely. Because they all have different situations they've been through at life. They have a different lens on life. And sometimes mm -hmm. they have a better lens than I do on a certain situation. Right, right. No, that's that's awesome. And that it's such good stuff because, again, you, you, you're talking about strength, but hopefully people are listening and hearing what you're having to say because it relates to everything is the just the the components of what you do like i've shared already it's it's impacting me as a parent hmm. no absolutely i mean strength conditioning it's just a it's a vessel to change kids lives that's all it is yeah so what three pieces of advice would you give the Corey that's just starting out maybe two years into this thing and you realize that you're not making any money and you're frustrated. And what three pieces of advice would you give yourself? I wouldn't say a word. I'd let that man fall flat on his face and pick himself up and, and, and learn from his mistakes. Because if I stopped him from getting those mistakes, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Mm. I, I, I remember, and God's a funny man, dude. I, I truly believe he has a great sense of humor because I was, I was in a situation, and I'm not going to say where because that's not fair to those coaches, but I was in a situation where I'm getting cursed out every day. I'm getting told I'm no good, and, and I'm like, man, maybe I am no good. And then you start to believe other people's opinions of you, and you're just like, man, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm not really doing anything. And he brought up all the seniors, and he had this kid that I worked with as a scout team quarterback a year ago, and they're kind of giving their thanks and why they love Wyoming. He goes, you know what? he doesn't get a lot of love in this building coach Sullivan he sat me down and asked me what my why was and I never ever thought that question through and I really I mean me and him had nine ten conversations and it was the coolest thing all he wanted to do was win a college football game with his father in the stands he he was he had a chance to start early on in his career and at a division one program he lost to an FCS program in an embarrassing fashion uh, with a pick six to lose the game and that was the only start he ever had up to that point. Then he got benched, buried on the depth chart. Now he's scout team as a, uh, at the time, he was a red shirt senior. He had one year of eligibility left. So the following year, he ends up being the starting quarterback. And all he wanted to do was win with his father in the stands. That's it. And he's like, look, I just, I needed to know what my why was. I wanted to quit college football. I hated it. I had one opportunity got taken away from me. I didn't seize the moment. And through, through all the different conversations, all he did was just give me a shout out. Just say, hey, thanks, coach, for, for sitting down and really having that why. And I'm like, 
that that ignited a fire that was just buried. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. This is it. I love this thing, and I love changing kids' lives. Period. And I, and I always look back I, every time I have uh, an interview for a coaching position. I always have his picture front and center. I'm like, that's that is why I do it. And I, I still talk to him to this day. He's unbelievably successful. His um, he's had his time in the sun to be a starting quarterback. Uh, his, final year of college football he had four years of sitting on the bench after one poor performance and that's just that's that's what drives me man so what would i tell a younger Corey? not a thing keep keep failing keep getting back up man yeah well i picked out three things of what you said so thank you for openly sharing so the first one i think you would tell yourself is learn from your mistakes at least want other people to hear that the other one that i really like is don't believe other people's opinion of you and then the last one is know your why. Mm. I mean, I think that those are critical three key components of advice that I heard you say to me and to the audience. No, absolutely. And and that that's funny that you picked those out because I think that's what kind of when I'm talking to kids, that's kind of the advice I give them. Yeah. You got to know your why before you know anything else. Well, man, I know you've got food ready and uh, a a pay-per-view wrestling event on its way soon so i want to be respectful of your time so what's uh, some final remarks you want to leave the audience with just just find a reason every single day to get up and then make someone else's life better and i think if you just focus on that your life will just become better i think most people aren't selfish but when you think like man, today's going to suck. I got to do this. I got to do this. Uh, I didn't get enough. And you focus, I, 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 like, yeah, today's going to suck. It's going to be mundane. But when you say, you know what? I'm going to wake up and you know what? Bert from accounting, I'm going to make that man smile. I'm going to say some joke. I'm going to do something to make Bert smile. I'm going to mess with Bert. Something, some way, somehow. And if that's your focus and your goal going in there, well, now you're driving into work thinking how you're going to make Bert smile, how you're going to make some joke and, and razz him or whatever. But it's like, just focus on others and your life will be better. Yeah. Well, I have a t-shirt that you may have to make. It's B Donna. <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> One in doubt, B Donna. And I'll tell you what, if it was up to my mom, it would be colored in every color under the sun. It'd be have, she loved unicorns and sparkles and Tinkerbell. And that was her thing. So when my mom passed, we actually just went through her estate and gosh, dang, everyone's got so many Tinkerbells and, and, and unicorns now. So I'm a grown man with no children, with a plush unicorn. And people are like, what is that? And I'm like, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to make a, a t-shirt, I'm sure. I think that'd be awesome to see a whole bunch of large young men wearing a uh, a pink unicorn t-shirt. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, man, just big, jacked, and sparkled. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's the way to live, right? Big, jacked, and sparkled. My mom would say that. And if you think about it, bodybuilding, you're not too far off. They're oiled up. We're, 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 we're knocking on the door, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I had the pleasure of meeting Robert Oberist and, you know, his whole saying is strong and pretty. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Go. So how can people follow you? Gosh, I'm, I'm terrible on social media. You can find me on social media. Um, I guess social media is the best way to do it. DM me. I, I say I hate social media, but I wouldn't have been connected with coach Lou without social media. So I don't even know. It's, Corey Sullivan six, probably on social media. I think my Twitter is Corey J Sullivan. Um, follow me there. If you have any questions, reach out to me. Um, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll give you my phone number immediately. I don't like texting very much. So we'll probably go back for two messages and I'll ask you to call me, you know? <laughs> 
That's awesome. I'll put all that information in the show notes, Corey. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad that we were able to make it work out. I know you're busy. No, I'll tell you what I really do appreciate. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. You're just trying to bring leaders and you're trying to steal their knowledge to give to your audience and saying, hey, here's how people have done it before from every walk of life. You don't. I've seen podcasts where it's all sports related or it's all strength and conditioning focused or it's all uh, movie focused and you have every walk of life under the sun. And it's like, how did successful people get successful? And it's, it's a beautiful thing what you're doing, man. So keep doing what you're doing. I would love to be on. If you ever have a chance for a second one, I'm, I'm in, man. I love what you're doing and anything I can do to help sports cause I'm in brother. Awesome. For sure. Well, hang on real tight, everybody. This was Corey Sullivan.